0: Ladies and gentlemen, this is it's all good, man. The better. Better call Saul podcast. My name is Brian, and with me, as always, is my biological father, Dave. Dave, how are you doing this afternoon? Pabst Blue Ribbon. Dave and I also hosted nothing important podcast where we talk to people more famous than we will ever be. And uh, make sure you check out this episode or this week's episode, probably going up on Friday or Saturday. We have uh, uh nerd core rappers, mega ran and MC Lars. We went and saw their show in Chicago just last night as we record this. And they were nice enough to sit down afterwards and uh, chat with us for a good 35 minutes. Right, Dave?
1: Yeah. Um, I was just having problems setting up my microphone mm-hmm. like for for this podcast, and I realized yeah. it was a bad XLR cable, and it's one of the XLR cables that I used for the interview, so I really hope nothing got screwed
0: up. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, we'll just do the best that we can. Uh, for those before we start for those of you listening, I am uh, in my garage in uh, Chicago, Illinois. I got a sick wife. I got two sick kids. And uh, I'm gonna let the nanny take care of him. So I came up to the garage. And He's got a sick house, it's just so sick. Yeah, dude, oh. it's so sick, bro. Oh, not the good,
1: <laughs> not the good kind of sick. Sorry,
0: right? Yeah, all right. So, Dave, we saw episode 204. Yeah, 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 good. we did. Wait, 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 wait to uh pick it up. And uh, are you eating? <laughs> no, why? Uh, it just, uh, the way you said, yeah, it sounded oh, funny, but sounded like you had a, yeah. a mouthful of shit. No, no, all no. Yeah. Way, way to, way to pick it up and run with it. By the way, when I asked you a question, good job. <laughs> I'm Donnie from major league dude. <laughs> all right, man. Just so, a bu- bit outside. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Episode four of season two, better call Saul. Let's go. It opens in, uh, in the. Well, the scene is pretty just, uh, pretty much Mike getting a beer. <laughs> well, that's the thing. That's why I. That's why when you asked me, I said Pabst
1: Blue Ribbon" like that because I wanted my PBR plug to be just as subtle as the one in the opening scene of this episode.
0: Yeah, right. How about that? <laughs> I, I wonder. <laughs> I wonder if that was product placement or if. Uh, they just kind of threw it in there to add to the realism a bit, and they're like, well, what the fuck is past Boo Ribbon going to do? Are they going to fucking? Are they gonna complain oh, that no. we put them on the most uh, popular show on TV? Now.
1: It's huge, dude. PBR is huge. Hipsters love it. Yeah, totally. Wait, so, do they still love it? No, that was a while ago. But yeah, um, basically the scene is just uh, revealing that Mike got his ass kicked for a bunch of money, and uh, he wanted a beer and to put some frozen, uh, some frozen peas on his face.
0: Yeah, I, li- I like the way that it went, though. Um, remember, we kind of speculated on preview with the prior, like, why? Because uh, the, you know, scenes from the next episode of Better Call Saul showed, uh, you know, t- money hitting the table and kind of fanning out. And uh, we kind of wondered what that was. We didn't know if anything happened with uh, Stacy or his uh, granddaughter. And it turns out it's just Mike uh, coming home from earning that money the hard way. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which we'll get to I later. Like, I like how it... um. I like how it played out though. I mean, it was, it was not, you know, a good way to conceal that, that side, the left side of his face that got pounded, you know, uh, grabbing the peas. That's a, that's a classic. Anybody who's done any sort of combat sport knows right. that, uh, you know, you grab, you grab a steak or some frozen vegetables from the freezer because they tend to hold their, their temperature longer and put it on your face. And it's uh it's nice and comforting and it feels good after you get your face beaten, Dave. Oh really? I thought it was uh, because it's
1: malleable and it can take the shape
0: of your face, unlike well, that say too. a
1: block of ice. You know,
0: well that that as well. <laughs> That's it's all part of it. Um, I I did like it. you know it showed his face and then it, it kind of uh, he he opened his hand and he had the two little boxing glove trinkets. I I don't know if that was part of a necklace or that was part of Tuco's bolo chain. But yeah, I, don't, when, I
1: honestly didn't see where they came from. I must mm-hmm. I missed something else, guys. Mm.
0: Well, watching it, I, I didn't know, I I guess I didn't make the connection between boxing gloves and Tuco. So, um, but for some reason, as soon as I saw the boxing gloves, I was like, oh, he fought Tuco. (laughs) Oh, no,
1: I just thought that maybe he got his ass kicked and.
0: Maybe he was a former boxer, so he
1: thought he could still beat somebody up and got his ass kicked or something like that. And then he just mm-hmm. kind of looks at his gloves and he's like, oh, things ain't the way they were, you know. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And then uh, we cut to the opening, and it's the the phones in the drawers. Dave, did you predict that on a preview with the prior?
1: Yeah, I believe I've been uh, right every episode so far, yeah.
0: Right, because it mirrors, it mirrors season one. But you said there was an episode where there was no opening. You I thought said, so. I thought mm-hmm. so, but
1: then I went and looked at like the first seven and they were all there unless I skipped one or it's later in the series and I just haven't got to that point of double checking. Yeah. But uh, maybe I was wrong. But <laughs> as soon as cause I did, I was like, I think this one has no opening. And then as soon as I saw the cell phones on the first
0: season, I was like, oh yeah, this is the one with the cell phones. Well, you know what the weird thing is, is you say that and I want to be like, yeah, I remember how there was an episode with no with no opening title screen. But then I, I don't really know if there was. I don't know if I'd just be saying that because <laughs> because it sounds good
1: or or if well, there really was. It'll take me 5 minutes on Netflix, so I will have that answer
0: by the next preview with a prior. Mhm. Uh so the first scene of the episode proper opens up uh it, well first it opens up with the commercial that that Jimmy made. Uh you know, the old lady camera descending down the stairs and yeah, for, with the for Jerry those Chardali. of you Yeah, yeah, for those of you who uh who called that? Dave and I completely missed that, and uh, it, it's a very subtle detail, but a pretty good one. So, those of you that called that, uh, con- congratulations. Concur, Dave. <laughs> uh, now you threw me off because of your lack of <laughs> your lack of enthusiasm, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm
1: playing it up a little bit. But yeah, so then the part, so but then partners watch it, and they're obviously upset. And Jimmy's whole defense is the whole, like, it didn't cost that much to produce it. Look what it got. He's all about the end game. He's all about what results right. you get. He doesn't give a shit how you get there. And this is really starting to be cemented throughout this whole episode. Mm-hmm. This, this has been coming into play. And it actually got put into better words than I could put it for this scene and a later scene. So I guess I'll say it when we get there.
0: You, you know, you know, what's funny is, um, it, it's like having a little kid for those of you with children, you know, you'll, you'll tell your kid, Hey, uh, don't put your doll in the freezer. Right. And then she'll put a doll in the freezer. You come back later, you find the doll in the freezer and you're like, Hey, they told you not to put the doll in the freezer. And they're like, oh, well, it's not hurting anybody. <laughs> it's like, yeah, but that's not the point. The point is the doll is supposed to be in the freezer. So, you know, Jimmy and his commercial very much the same way. He doesn't see the big issue in it. He, he doesn't understand because the ends justify the means, I guess.
1: Yeah, that's exactly what it is. It's, and that's the phrase that came into play later in the episode. The ends justify the means. And the most, mm-hmm. the most important line to me of that scene was when Maine yells at him. He's like, dude, stop selling. Right, you know, Jimmy's still trying to sell him on the idea. And he's right. like, stop selling because, no, you were wrong. Blah, blah, blah. We want to fire you because they cut them out. You went over our heads, and you didn't think about how this affects everything because whether you think so or not, this is your biggest case. It's not mm-hmm. our biggest case.
0: Right. Well, you know what? Another thing that struck me about that scene is where he says um, "What they are most pissed by – Jimmy's lack of teamwork like like that seemed to yeah, aggravate exactly. him more than anything was he's not being a team player he's kind of showboating well if he's on a partner track that's part of the deal yeah but I kind of like that that was kind of a good angle to take with that
1: yeah I thought so
0: no um yeah just not following protocol right absolutely and then of course after he gets dressed down in the meeting he runs outside and he tries to call Kim before Howard can get to her <laughs> It's like a, it's like when you get in trouble at school and you try to call your parents before the principal calls your parents. And You're like, okay, so this is what happened. First off, this teacher hates me. But before right. before you hear anything, Miss Johnson hates me. <laughs> she just See, I took that, like me. I
1: took that a different way. I took that as um, he just wanted to talk to Kim and well, let him know no, what's going he, on. He, I wasn't thinking well, about him trying to head off, you know, get to her before she got to HHM. I thought that I took it as she's just the first person that he talks to when something comes up because they're a thing.
0: Oh, no, man. I I think it was totally he he didn't expect as, he I think he expected some backlash, but maybe not quite as bad. And then he remembered mm. the previous conversation where whatever he does at Davidson mean indirectly affects her and her right. career. So it, it was kind of like an oh shit moment. So he was uh, trying to reach her before she got dressed down uh, to kind of um, set the tone. You know what I mean? To, to kind of like like start the narrative and put it in whatever perspective he had. You know, it's like, okay, like, don't get pissed. Right. But you're going to be pissed. Like, <laughs> like that kind of deal. <laughs> you didn't but, take it as that at all? You, no, you no. I, just, I just took it to, as
1: he just wanted to, He wanted her to be in the loop immediately and um, maybe let her know what's going on, but I didn't think of it as in uh, HHM's uh, I think having
0: any effect on that situation, I guess. I was just like, you just
1: want to talk to her?
0: I don't know. I, I saw it as he thought he was going to get in trouble, and he was just trying to head it off before the shit storm got too big.
1: <laughs> I gotcha. I mean, we are talking a lot about this one thing, but it's kind of a big deal in, in what his motivation is. Is he really in it for her, or is he just,
0: you know, Oh, uh, you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, no, totally, totally. Is he cover- know,
1: covering his own ass or is he covering her ass?
0: Right. It's like, it, it's like it. Uh, I think we've said it before, he's his own worst enemy. Right. Because he obviously cares and likes Kim, right? Mm-hmm. Like, he, he's obviously, she's obviously very important to him, but he's his own worst enemy because he just can't resist doing like the little things that drive him, that, even though they have adverse effects on the people around him. So then we see Kim's side. Of this whole ordeal and she's kind of getting her ass handed to her by Howard and Chuck. Yeah, it's uh, Jimmy's a little too late for the warning because she's already deep in it. Yeah. Uh, and I, I've been in those kind of meetings at work and it is not fun. And <laughs> I can only imagine to be 10 times worse is if somebody you cared about caused that on you. It's it's one thing to cause your own mistakes and kind of get your ass chewed. But it's a whole nother thing if uh, somebody you kind of stuck your neck out for uh, after, causes you to get after you told him repeatedly to stop doing it too. Yeah, I mean, because what would your emotions be like? Not only would you be kind of uh, kind of disappointed in yourself that you know you you made such a blunder in your career, but then you know there's probably a lot of hurt that comes in that too because you know one of the people that you care about most essentially threw your feelings to the wayside. Right. It's his world, and then and then Chuck looks at Howard
1: and says, "What are you gonna do?" And he's like grabbing his wrist. I, who, I noticed Chuck. When who, Chuck says, he looks at Howard and he's like, what are you going to do? And he's sitting there rubbing his wrist. I, mm-hmm. I noticed it, but I didn't,
0: maybe it'll come into play later. I think I'll talk about it. But uh, did you notice that he's kind of scratching at his wrist? No, I didn't. But, uh, but I think yeah, I know where you're going with that. And that's, uh, that's a pretty good little detail that you picked up on. Oh, thank you. Sometimes I do. Yeah.
1: yeah. Hmm. <laughs> sometimes I do. Sometimes yeah, so. I think a tree's a cactus and sometimes I notice little things.
0: And it wasn't even a tree. It was a garage. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> you will never live that down. Never. I never can't live that down. myself. <laughs> it's Daredevil and Deadpool and fucking garages and cacti. Yeah. So we see uh, Mike and Nacho. They're outside the El Mexicano <laughs> restaurant where uh, we finally, well, he wants to kill Tuco, right? He's yeah, this is about, where
1: they kind of oddly, subtly reveal what the person is that Nacho wanted him to take out? It took me a while. Like even when they first went through the whole spiel, mm-hmm. I still didn't think he was going to kill Tuco. I was like, who was he killing? And then right. I thought. It, and then it was a second later. It was like, oh wait, you drive up right next to Tuco and take him out in his own car. Okay, I got it now.
0: Right. Yeah. 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 You know, and they, it, it, he has a pretty elaborate plan all planned out, <laughs> and uh, I like when uh, Mike stumps him and he says, "Well, what if somebody blocks me in?" Well, who's gonna block you? And I don't know somebody wanting tacos. And like, <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's like, the thing. Mike thinks about that stuff. This this uh, this episode really gets
1: into Mike's attention to detail and how much he um, he uh, is cautious and covers his tracks and, and just mm-hmm. thinks about you know uh, Murphy's Law. Murphy's Law tells me somebody's gonna run a plate or somebody's gonna grab my plate.
0: Right. You know? Well, well, my thing is is um, if they're trying to be careful and they're trying to plan this assassination of Tuco. And everybody knows that they meet at the restaurant, and there's obviously people working in the restaurant who knows who they are and why they meet there. Why would you stand across the street out in the open in direct view of the front of the building? Because, <laughs> because, because it's not Tuesday? Right. Well, yeah, <laughs> It's not but, the day they meet? <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay, so Tugo gets killed, right? And then somebody does see Mike, and it's like, oh, it was like an old white guy that did it. You right. don't think that'd be a little suspicious to be like, oh, wait a minute, I just saw, I just saw Nacho standing across the street with some old white dude. Yeah, I, uh,
1: I didn't really think about that, but I think if I would have, I'd have been like, nah, it's a movie. <laughs> I don't know, or a TV show, whatever. Suspension of disbelief. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's actually a really good point. Like, why would you just broad daylight, you know, within plain view of the thing? Right. There's not your- like
0: a Starbucks. <laughs> Starbucks yeah. right around back then
1: <laughs> Like if like do you think if uh you know John Wilkes Booth went and hung out of the theater the day before he killed Abraham Lincoln.
0: <laughs> like all right, well, what am I going to do? I'm going to stand right here. Yeah. <laughs> uh but we find out that uh you know Mike's going to charge $50,000 for it and we kind of get a little bit of insight into Mike's background where he he says uh you know the plan's kind of stupid for a variety of reasons and we could get fucked over. However, uh, we could take a shot from back behind the hedges, you know, uh, I guess right through the backo, <laughs> straight into the, into Tuco's head from across the street. And Nacho says, you can make that shot, and Mike's pretty confident that he can. So starting to kind of unravel exactly uh, what Mike's background is.
1: Yeah, he's uh, he's got a little bit of um, non-municipal firearms training, I think.
0: <laughs> I think we talked about it, is Better Call Saul – is pretty much Mike's background story, too, for all intents and purposes.
1: Yeah, well, they, you know, because in in Breaking Bad, they're a team. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of how the band got together, I guess. It's not just (laughs) Jimmy's, Because Saul Goodman, you know, that whole, it was an operation. It was a multi-layered conglomerate of shady businesses. Mm -hmm. I also noticed that Mike looks wrecked in this scene. Like, his eye, he just looks beat down, and I don't remember mm-hmm. him looking like that in Breaking Bad, but yeah, like, he looks just weary, just worn out and weary, and just, he's kind of, doesn't enunciate, he enunciates like I do, and uh, just <laughs> bloodshot eyes like I usually have. Mike's on weed. <laughs> he might be. <laughs> no, but seriously, he does, he he looks like, maybe he's like half drunk all the time still, but he just, does, you notice that? He just looks super weary.
0: Yeah, yeah, totally. I, I get what you're saying, and you like know, it, ma- it
1: makes you think he's gonna snap sometime soon or like go crazy, but you know he's in Breaking Bad, so you know is yeah. there like a valley before he comes back up or something? It's kind of interesting.
0: Well, in Breaking Bad, he kills, but we haven't seen him do that in Better Call Saul. So, just as Jimmy McGill will eventually become Saul, uh, maybe part of this whole uh, Mike story in Better Call Saul is leading up to the time when Mike you know maybe kills somebody for money. And now it's after hours at the H uh, H M office. Uh, Jimmy gets let in by the porter, and he's trying to track down Kim, who is stuck doing document review down in the cornfields.
1: That is correct, and, and I was she- I was kind of laughing to myself because it, it just reminded me of Jimmy's office at the salon, how it's in the back of the building, it's next to the boilers, and blah blah blah. Except that H H M, <laughs> it's still really nice.
0: Yeah, a lot of, a lot of parallels. <laughs> <there>. <laughs> Uh, Kim is not very happy to see Jimmy and, uh, you know, true to form, he, uh, you know, he says I can make things right. Still trying to play the, uh, it's not so bad card. <laughs> yeah. Right. Because the end justifies the means. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And her reply is, you know, if, if you go to Howard and try to make this right, we're done. And then Jimmy gets kind of excited. And he's like, uh, we're not done. Go back to preview of the prior. What did mm-hmm. you say versus what did I say? I thought it'd be the end of the relationship. I thought it'd be a big
1: blow, up. And I thought it'd be a bump in the road because it looks like it's just a bump in the road for now. Yeah,
0: but that's that's such a huge bump, though. That is, like, like for all intents and purposes, he pretty much ruined her career advancement. Mm,
1: maybe he didn't. Maybe this is, like, just a little punishment thing and she'll get her office back, you know, sooner than later and... It's not so bad. And that's why she's like, Don't go talk to Howard. Let me ride this out. And then I'll be back on track. And it's a minor setback. Yeah. You
0: but, never know. Yeah, that, that's a good point. And uh Jimmy doesn't go to Howard, but instead he goes to Chuck. <laughs> that's right. I, that's exactly what I wrote.
1: Jimmy goes to Chuck. I do. I like love how he, he I, I love how he just like walks past the mailbox. And he's like, fuck this. I'm not putting my shit in your fucking mailbox. And then he's like, oh, God damn it.
0: I'll put my shit in your fucking mailbox. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> we wrote almost the same notes. I said, uh, begrudgingly puts away electronics. <laughs> <laughs> but he does uh, it so
1: aggressively. He slams the thing shut. And he throws the stuff in there.
0: It's like his character just wants to be a badass because then he goes up, knocks on the door. And after he gets an a-, a no answer a couple times, he's like, all right, you asked for it. And everybody expects him to break a window or bust in, but he just politely opens the door with a right. key. Well, it's he's like, I'm he's, in your house. <laughs> it's like, he, he knows,
1: because deep down he still loves and respects his brother, I guess. So he knows he's not going to actually take that aggression out on Chuck. So yeah. He's just releasing it in other ways on mailboxes and by yelling empty
0: threats. <laughs> <laughs> so great. You asked for it. All right. I'm in your house. Yeah. <laughs> <guess>. Hey, guys. <laughs> And then we see Chuck on the couch. He's making puppy noises. Uh, Jimmy gets him an extra space blanket with water he, and he's wearing, a slumber party. He's
1: wearing the space lined space blanket line suit with a space blanket and an extra space blanket and a wristwatch underneath it all. Yeah. That's where I noticed he was wearing a wristwatch.
0: And right. I we talked about, about that.
1: And I thought about him rubbing his wrist earlier, but there was no, I don't think there's a watch on there. But um, and then you brought up the point. You and know, maybe it's a wind-up watch or something,
0: right? Like uh, there's like a natural, there's like natural motion watches that winds itself with the the natural motion of your of your arm swinging, right? That's probably that that be something a pretty like big that. uh, yeah. That'd be but, a pretty maybe big. It's just, uh,
1: maybe it's a completely mechanical wind-up watch. I mean, he's he's rich. He can
0: afford something yeah, like that. I, gu- I guess there'd be no real electricity going through that, right?
1: Yeah, he doesn't have a, you know, Daniel Warmald swatch watch, exactly, you know. Right. When Jimmy puts on the second blanket, he looks frustrated at, at Chuck. You know, mm-hmm. he's like, it's, it's almost like he's looking at Chuck like, why don't you freaking snap out of it already, right? Right. He's so frustrated. He's like, why do I have to deal with your bullshit psychosomatic disease? Why can't you just be normal and just move past it? But isn't that the way Chuck feels about slipping Jimmy? Ooh. Hmm. Hmm.
0: so smash cut we have mike in the hotel with i believe his name is uh man i want to say like watson who's the uh, same gun dealer as uh well it's the gun dealer from breaking bad who sells walt his handgun his uh yeah i, I didn't catch that you caught that i didn't mm-hmm. catch that yep uh mike is obviously very familiar with sniper rifles and that's where we can assume that he was in vietnam this is the first that I noticed some specific, some
1: specifically vague Vietnam veteran references. You know, bringing the gun to the jungle and right you know,
0: the way he handled which, that rifle, which would explain a lot of his badassery.
1: Right, and I was wondering, mm-hmm. did this did this gun salesman talk like that in Breaking Bad? Because that just cracked me up. He's like, it hides. You know, uh, you ran it ran through a random stipple machine press and uh, hides the patterns in the metal density and throws off the x rated fractures and the other higher end methods.
0: <laughs> like he's very he's very technical <laughs> or very very proficient. He just
1: sounds like one of those guys that knows enough technical words to make you think he knows what he's talking about and he's just spitting your bullshit. Oh. <laughs> um but he keeps saying soft targets, so I'm thinking that guy's a vet too.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, probably. Yeah, for sure. Mike uh kind of changes his mind doesn't buy a gun, uh but what I like as the scene fades out is the gun dealer kind of um puts the gun away, but he seems almost annoyed that Mike had it pointed the right way or the wrong way.
1: Yeah. He just kind of gives him that little look. He's
0: like, Argh. yeah, yeah. <laughs> like fucker. <laughs> um, Chuck wakes up to see Jimmy sitting in his chair. He surprised is still there. Jimmy makes some tea and, uh, he kind of starts calling Chuck out. Chuck denies that he was punishing Kim and, um, he reveals that Kim
1: didn't know that, uh, Main didn't approve of the movie or the commercial, but he right, didn't apply yeah. it to her. Like it's it's basically trying to take the blame,
0: saying this right. isn't Kim, this is me, this is what I told her, mm-hmm. leave her out of it. And and he doesn't believe Chuck that Chuck's not using her to punish him, right? Because uh,
1: man, that was such a good scene. I'm sorry, I really like that scene.
0: Yeah, and, and uh, get, uh, the whole whole thing about life is all about making deals, and he's trying to get Chuck to extort him. Right, and you know, and just Chuck just keep digging at Jimmy. Like she should have known better, and you know, yeah,
1: like just openly you suck, basically, right. yeah, ch- cranking the asshole up
0: a little bit. Right, you know, and, uh, Jimmy uh, broke the rules, made Kim an accessory, uh, embarrassed Howard, who vouched for Jimmy, and he made Davis and Main partners look like quote unquote smucks. Right. Jimmy did not do awesome there. <laughs> and we played. No, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Um, I put a
1: star next to this note that uh, Jimmy's like an alcoholic who refuses to admit that he has a problem. Hmm. Indeed. And Chuck could very well say that and do a mirror because Chuck is also like an alcoholic who refuses to admit that he has a problem. <laughs> They're really playing on this stuff, and I like it. It's it's so like subtle, and, it, and it's I like the way they make you think. They don't just throw it out there. Right. But yeah, right. like Chuck is totally a freaking hypocrite. And Jimmy's just calling him out on it. And he's like, swim the bottom with me, Chuck. Come on down, you know. Mm-hmm. And he is. Yep. He's kind of bringing Chuck down to his level. Yeah, totally. But uh, well, Chuck doesn't really take the bait, though. No, but I did also notice that during this entire argument, did Chuck not move around pretty well? Yeah. Oh, yeah, good point. Yeah, and, and then when, once Jimmy leaves, he gets all, like, weird again. But during the argument, in the heat of the moment, he is not affected by his quote-unquote disease at all.
0: Oh, I wonder if that's a conscious conscious uh choice made by the writers and the actors or if that's just the way it played out, you know what I mean or yeah. if that's a coincidental thing. That's that's a good call. We'll have to watch we'll have to watch the body language and find out, Dave. That is correct. Yep. We will. Next scene, Mike and Nacho meet. Mike says that he's not going to shoot Tuco and he has another plan. He'll get and, rid of him. He'll, yeah, get, rid of he'll him. get rid of him. Yeah, But he's not going to do it. And, and, Nacho, and Nacho won't be involved. Yeah. Nacho doesn't have to worry about it, right? Absolutely, he'll make the problem go away. And then we're at the final scene, and uh, Tuco is there with Nacho and El Mexicano. <laughs> Tuco's <laughs> counting cash, and there he is—the guy that I've been waiting for
1: since the very first episode, motherfucking Crazy Eight. Yeah,
0: but a very timid. He's he's like timid. Eight. Yeah. Which is yeah,
1: <laughs> he's like, what's I was trying to think
0: of where that starts with crazy. He's not so crazy. He he's more like he's reason like, reasonably sane eight, <laughs> con, super conscientious eight. Yeah, mild mannered eight <laughs> is hanging out with Tuco and Nacho.
1: <laughs> but yeah, I I was looking at the patch on his shirt and I forgot what the patch on his shirt said. So if anybody wants to look into that and see if there's anything uh significant about the uniform that he's wearing or maybe it'll come into play later or something because i went and watched the pilot he's in the pilot of breaking bad and he's mm-hmm. he is crazy yeah this this guy is not crazy eight that we saw in well, this episode
0: i mean like you know attitude wise so he's right, got to change well, maybe he's got to change coming down the road yeah well i mean if uh if tuco is gonna go away for a while nacho needs a buddy you know he gotta step up or you get fired right yeah there you go the peter principle yeah, exactly. <laughs> Everybody rises to their highest level of <laughs> But in uh, the in the drug game you rise to the level of your assassination. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's the only it's the only way to move up. It's, it's a tough <laughs> business, but it can be quite lucrative if you're in the right if you're in the right time or right place at the right time. You know, they say um, easy come, easy go,
1: but sometimes that shit's not so easy,
0: but it's still easy go. Mm-hmm. Indeed. 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 Words mm. to live by. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, and then, uh, we see the plan, uh, starts to play out. Mike pulls into El Mickey Connell, barely nicks Tuco's nope, car. Wait, first, 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 Mike grabs the last payphone in the country. Yeah.
1: <laughs> okay. And he, he calls in, he says, look there, I'm driving by this restaurant and, uh, there's a fight and somebody's got a gun out. Yeah. And knowing just- that takes cops forever to get anywhere, <laughs> he's got plenty yeah. of time. <laughs> yeah. I was wondering I- where he was going with that.
0: I was wondering where he's going with that. And then, as you said, he bumps. Go ahead. Yeah. Doesn't even doesn't even identify himself. He's just a concerned passerby, <laughs> right? And then yep. he wipes his prints off. Yep. Of course. Uh, pulls into El Mexicano. Barely taps Tuco's car, which they played his personality. Uh, <laughs> they played him like a fiddle. Right. <laughs> it sets him off. Mike plays like the super naive old guy and is uh, you know, playing like he's just trying to evade the situation by ignoring the guy and maybe the guy will leave him alone. But of course that does not work with Tuco's sensibilities. And he and Mike knows that because Mike listens. Mm-hmm.
1: And he he knew that Tuco cares about his car. He's on mm. drugs. He flies off the
0: handle. He's been judging people all day and not been able to do nothing about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, Tuco wants payment right then and there. You know, to hell with going through the insurance. He wants money. He saw that Mike had a oh, few yeah. hundred dollar bills.
1: Yeah, slick of Mike to
0: expose a little bit of cash to mm-hmm. get Tuco's yeah. brain working. He knew what he was doing. But yeah, played him like a fiddle. Um, and Mike just trying to stall out till he hears police sirens. But exactly the one the one thing that it was weird for me. Well, I guess I guess is all part of Tuco's personality is to hear the sirens. Uh, Tuco tells Nacho to leave, but for some reason, Tuco wants to stick around and make a, <laughs> make a stand. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like, I guess, I guess that's just a testament to his like, I don't give a shit attitude, which I guess would be complimented by the fact that the cops have their guns drawn on him as he's beating the shit out of Mike. And then he laughs and punches him one last time. Uh, Mike's <laughs> channeling his inner Homer Simpson.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I said it. Yeah. But then yeah, he's Mike- like, well, I think at that point
0: he looks at the cops and he's like, I'm going to jail. All right. Let's make it worth it. Yeah, you know, and, and you know what? In a, in a way, Mike might have saved him when he wrestled the gun from him and, and it <laughs> fell under the car.
1: Yeah, exactly. He might have because he might have uh, he might have gone out like old old dog Paulson. Old dog Paulson. Old dog Paulson. Yeah, piece of his skull in Nacho's chest. We didn't really talk about that.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. Okay, well let's go back to that real quick before we wrap it up. Uh, that was such a fun little detail. I really like how that was handled.
1: Oh yeah, the story the and the way he told like you said before,
0: this is surprising. This is Michael Mandel's first real acting gig. Right, yeah yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, yeah. It's pretty impressive what he what he's done with the character, but as far as the whole piece of uh skull flying, you know, basically turns into shrapnel and gets lodged in his shoulder. Uh kind of a kind of a morbidly hilarious yeah. detail there. Yeah, and something it's an everlasting reminder of
1: your of your life in the game. Right.
0: It's, it's ridiculous enough to where you're like, what, but not so ridiculous that it doesn't fit, uh, thematically and tonally with the rest of the series. It's like like perfectly rides the line of, of what the fuck are the chances. But then again, people get hit by lightning all the time, you know, and what the fuck are the chances of that?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, even the
0: makeup job or
1: even like the prop job where it's like these two little
0: things and it's like, you know, it's just kind of like, it's not, it's subtle. Yeah. You know, he, he tried to dig it out, just couldn't get to it. It's just a part of doing business, I guess. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, exactly, uh, Dave. Well, we, what did you think over?
1: Well, we didn't. We got to talk about the very last scene because I like the fact that uh, Nacho says, you know, he's getting a five to ten stretch, twenty five grand, and he's like, "You went a long way not to pull that trigger." Why? Oh, yeah. And Mike just walks away. And none of your goddamn, yeah. none of your business.
0: Yeah, well, apparently that's Mike's uh, Mike's very Batman esque in a way. But leading up <laughs> to your thing, how you brought up the fact that in Breaking Bad
1: he kills, so in this yeah. he went a long way not to. Yeah, we're a long get way to get not to a to kill. point
0: where uh, he will. Everybody's got mm-hmm. a price. Well, so it's all part of the overall story, right? Yeah. Right, man. There was a, there was so much going in on this episode, so I want to hear from you guys out there. What did Dave and I miss? What did we hit on? What are we wrong about? What are we right about? Uh, that was actually kind of a fun episode because it was actually three characters from Breaking Bad, uh, Tuco, The Arms Dealer, and Crazy 8. So a lot of little Easter eggs. I can't wait to listen to the Insider Podcast, see the stuff that we missed. And I can't wait to see the Twitter, Facebook, and website comments, uh, you guys letting us know what we missed, or your theories. So please uh, check out the Nothing Important Podcast as well. Like I said, this week we have Mega Rand and MC Lars, two nerdcore rappers put on an absolutely awesome show. That'll be out before the end of this week, before we wrap it up here, Dave, why don't you tell them how somebody can win a t-shirt?
1: Well, Brian, I was thinking that since the first thing I did after this, watching this episode was go watch crazy eight and breaking bad. Mm-hmm. So anybody that the first person that can tweet us, what, what is crazy eight doing the first time we see him in breaking bad? What is his, his introduction to us? How, what's he doing? He's doing something pretty
0: crazy. And that's it, right? All right. That's all you got to do. Tweet us what Crazy 8 is doing the first time we see him in Breaking Bad. You can tweet us at Podcast on Twitter and fuck it. We'll have two winners. Somebody's going to get a Breaking Bad t-shirt. Somebody's going to get a Better Call Saul t-shirt. First two people, let us know what Crazy 8 is doing first time we see him in Breaking Bad. Make sure to keep commenting keep participating keep listening to our show keep spreading the word check us out on nothing important keep being awesome dave don't it, say it's call us geniuses whatever just call us